Welcome to So-and-So, brought to you by Bernina, made to create. I'm Meg Goodman, and you're about to enjoy a casual conversation with a special member of the Sewist and Quilting community. A conversation about how they got started, what inspires them, what excites them, and their connection to this community. Our guest today is Christina Arthenegi Bono. She has no formal artistic training and yet has created stunning pieces of quilt art. Christina began quilting in 1999 after watching the movie How to Make an American Quilt. Her initial background is in travel and tourism, but today her true passion is quilting, especially by machine, either on her long arm or her domestic sewing machine. She's lived almost her whole life in Spain, although her years living in London made a big impact on her. She used to go to haberdashery shops in town and fell in love with textile art. She bought her first long-arm quilting machine in 2005 and started her own machine quilting business six months later. After years learning from other artists, she's developed her own style. Her signature quilts are pictorial whole cloths. She reflects her love for vintage children's books in her own quilts. She teaches machine quilting workshops as well as dyeing fabrics. Christina has exhibited in AQS shows in the Houston Quilt Festival, Minnesota Quilt Show, PIQF, and MQX New England. She now lives near Sabia in Andalusa, Spain, with her boyfriend, her son, and three cats. Hello, Christina, and welcome to So-and-So. Hello, Meg. Thank you very much for inviting me. It is quite an honor for me to be part of this. I would also like to thank Linda Dyer for making this possible. Linda uh, introduced us. Linda is our uh, one of our so-and-so episodes. I believe she is episode 78. And uh, she made the introduction, and I'm grateful for that as well, Christina. Thank you for mentioning that. I'd like to start right off the bat and ask you how you learned to sew and what were some of your earliest creations? I, I, I cannot say that um, I, I have ever learned to sew. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, um, when, I was, when I was a child, um, I used to uh, make um, clothes, if you can say that, uh, for, my, um, for my dolls. But, uh, you know, <laughs> they, they were not properly you know they were not proper clothes but I enjoyed very much doing that uh, by hand but uh, I was also um, allowed to use my um, grandmother's uh, treadle machine which I loved very much. Now tell us about growing up and and where your creative interests were focused as a child. Well I I grew up with my aunt and grandmother and um, I was sur- surrounded by cousins. I have um, 15 cousins from my mother and 25 from my, from my father. So you have a total of 40 cousins. Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, have a, I have a strong sense of belonging to my family. And, um, and I think a lot of who I am is due to that sense of community. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be who I am without my family, really. So my aunt Maria passed on, uh, passed on her love for music, art, and handmade things to me. She was my first English teacher, and um, she loved 
everything about um, um, the English language, the British um, uh, culture, and uh, anything to do with England. Mm-hmm. So, and apart from that, I grew up surrounded by books and comics. In fact, everybody, well, my family and friends called me, I think you say, bookworm. Bookworm, so, okay, yes. sure. <laughs> so I devoured uh, books, uh, the books by any Blyton, uh, Jules Verne, and many others. In fact, I studied library <laughs> and information science at the University of Granada. So um, uh, as a child, I was always um, thinking about new games for my cousins, and I loved to paint. Um, but to be honest with you, I stopped painting when I became a teenager, and, uh, it, and it wasn't until uh, a few years ago that I took up this hobby again. You were saying that um, you were studying at the University of Granada, yeah. Um, but originally, uh, you were in the travel and tourism field. Tell us about that. Uh, well, um, I studied library, but uh, then in 1994, I went to live in England because I wanted to improve my English. So um, uh, when I moved to London, my English was so poor <laughs> that uh, the only kind of job that uh, I could do were um, handmade, uh, uh, chambermaid or um, kitchen porter. Mm-hmm. So I started working at the Hilton Hotel um, near Hyde Park. And um, I quickly fell in love with uh, uh, working in tourism and hotels. And this is the thing. I was a bit frustrated uh, thinking I could do, you know, I would like to work in, um, in other departments of the hotel. But uh, although I have the training, I don't have, my English is not proficient. So I was told you need to um you know to study you need you need to do uh, um some kind of studies here in london in travel and tourism in order to get um a good job so that's how i um i studied travel and tourism in london because i thought well there is so much there are so many jobs here in london and there are so many opportunities to grow and develop a career that uh, i that's what i did so um, as soon as I finished my studies in travel and tourism, I started working for travel agencies and tour operators. And uh, I was hooked, really, on, on, on tourism. Mm-hmm. And, and you've talked about your, your time in London, saying it had a big impact on you and your creativity. And you also used to go to haberdashery shops in town, and you fell in love with textile art. Tell us about this. Well, uh, um, let me tell you, the first thing I did when I moved to London, uh, uh, I flew to, I arrived in London on a Saturday evening. And the first thing I did on Sunday morning was to go to the British Museum. I was dying to, uh, to go to the Assyrian and uh, Egyptian and Greek uh, sections of the, uh, of the museums. I wanted to see in person all those um, I, ha- I had previously studied history of art, and I wanted to see the Parthenon sculptures, the Assyrian um, murals, and um, and so on. So um, at that time, I didn't know 
uh, that uh, that was going to have um, that was how do I say it? that was going to have a big impact in me seeing all that beauty and also being able to go to the National Portrait Gallery, the National Gallery to see the castles, the palaces, um, all that beauty. Uh, it's in my head. So when I create, I'm, I'm not thinking about, you know, the, the parting on, but uh, in some way, <laughs> I cannot tell you why, but it did. It did. So um, as far as haberdashery shops is concerned, uh, one of the, uh, the second Christmas that uh, I lived in London, um, I was very sick. So I had to go to the supermarket to get some groceries. And I was waiting uh, to pay. Um, I saw a cross-stitch kit and I thought, well, I could do this <laughs> in my bed. Um, so I became addicted to cross-stitch. Uh-huh. And, and um, 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 when I did that, I, I looked for haberdashery shops in London and it was a, a whole new world. It had nothing to do with what I had seen in Spain before. And I was told, you have to go to Liberty. Liberty is a, is a uh, department store from the 15th century. And uh, they have a whole floor um, just for haberdashery. And, uh, and I used to go to Liberty every Saturday. So I loved haberdashery shops in London, especially Liberty. How old were you when you lived in London? I moved when I was 26, and I came back when I was 30. What an adventure. Yes, very much, very much. Now, I, I love this, this next story. Um, you became interested in patchwork a few years ago when you saw the movie Where Love Lies, How to Make an American Quilt. But you didn't decide to make your first quilt until you became pregnant with your son, uh, and he is now 24. Yes. So first of all, what was it about that movie that ignited your interest in quilting? Uh, well, I was living in London at that time. And uh, so, um, and I wanted to learn how to, you know, how to make a quilt, but uh, I didn't know where to go. So it wasn't until I moved back to Spain where I, when I, when I was able to go to uh, platform um, classes. But uh, what, uh, what really, really, attracted me from that movie is that uh, that group of women um, gathering together every week. So they had been doing that for years and years. So they knew each other. They knew their, their stories, uh, what they had been going through. So each, each one of them made a block uh, for a quilt that they were doing for, uh, for one of, for Widona Rider. And uh, so that each block represented a story. Uh, so to be able to express yourself with fabrics, um, you know, got me hooked on that. And also, uh, you know, being able to have a group of friends that gathered together and made something for, for someone. That was really, really um, got me into patchwork. The sense of community and to be able to create with fabrics. Do you still have that community around you today? Well, I have it, but online. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, and that's the, the beauty of, of technology and the things that, that we've gone through is now our communities can be worldwide. 
Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I have a friend in the north of Spain that uh, we talk almost every day from Monday to Friday, and we encourage each other. For instance, she's um, uh, there is a cool contest in the in the north of Spain every year in March, and um, she has entered within that contest. And I and I've encouraged her uh, the last month. Because she was like, oh, I'm not going to finish this or that. And I said, no, no. <laughs> so, um, and the sense, you know, the same is, you know, uh, the opposite way. If I am like, oh, no, no, no. Um, you know, you know, why why have I said yes to this or that? It's, yes, because you like it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the, the same with, uh, with other friends. that uh, We encourage each other um, in good and bad times. Yeah, I, I I know community is is a foundation of, of this podcast and universal with um, all quilters. Now, what I find interesting, Christina, is is your works are striking, and those joining us today, I encourage you to go to Christina's website. We'll give you that uh, that website address at the end of this podcast. But they are remarkable, and you make many of these for the sole purpose of submitting them to contests. And your intention was to make your way into the North American market as you saw these uh, competitions as a really good passport to make yourself known. So would you tell us a story of one of these competitions, the quilt you made for it, and why it was so meaningful? Well, although I have previously entered uh, quilts in, in, in quilt contests in North America, my very first was in um, one called, um, my little enchanted compass, uh, and I entered that quilt into the American Culture Society um, festivals in Lancaster and Paducah. So um, the first thing is that when I when that was accepted, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> <laughs> and then and then in Lancaster, I won um, first place in the uh, first time entrant category. I was like. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I loved that quilt. That quilt is based on a um, on an illustration from the um, the Scottish uh, artist Johanna Basford. She's probably one of the best selling Korean uh, books authors, and um, I obviously ask her for permission in writing. This is very important that, uh, uh, you know, no matter if you see something, well, uh, uh, I got her illustration because I bought uh, her Korean books, but uh, even if you buy the Korean book, that doesn't mean that you can use that Korean page. So I asked her for permission and she said, well, as long as you don't make um, hundreds of quilts like, you know, like that, mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. and I said, no, no way, <laughs> there is no way I can do not hundreds. I mean, you know, more than one, you know, it takes me months really to make one of those. So to me, winning uh, the first place in Lancaster was like, wow, my, my work, you know, you know, people like my work. So it was like, um, how do you say? When someone tells you you are doing, you are doing okay. It, it is, you know, we like it. It's, mm-hmm. it's a recognition. Um, to be honest with you, really, really, you know, winning an award in the U.S. is a big recognition. 
because the co- the competition is so hard that uh, it's like oh my word you know it's good enough to to be in a quilt contest in the US. So mm-hmm. I think that um, almost every quilter around the world wants to win an award in the US. Mm-hmm. It's kind of oh she's you know she's she's won it in you know in Lancaster, Paducah, or wherever. So, so you're you're the best of the best when you win here. Yes, that's right. That's right. That makes sense. Now you were saying that it takes you a while to finish one of your quilts, and uh, I've heard you say that sometimes six months uh, to finish them. And you mentioned Johanna Basford. Uh, you also uh, base them on illustrations of Daria Song, Rita Berman, Sveta Doroshova. Um, many others, uh, and you focus on illustrations that reflect the children's universe. Now, this is interesting. Um, Their favorite themes, and you said that they already have all the points to become a tapestry, but they must be drawings that speak of a real childhood of curious children who get dirty, play, and discover, not those that reflect nerdy stories. Tell us more about that. Um, Especially uh, my children, my children quilt based on the work of the great Ukrainian artist Sveta Dorosheva. Um, although it is her, you know, it is it is her work, her ideas. I found that uh, Sveta uh, reflect like no one else that I've known so far. The way I see children, the way I see my childhood. I mean. Um, although I remember myself as someone naive and a confident child, I also remember myself being um, naughty or mischievous. Uh, so I remember, um, you know, um, getting dirty in the floor because I loved drawing and I loved uh, laying on the floor and using my coloring pencils. Uh, so when I look at when I look at the, uh, the my polka dot um, girl, I see myself like that because I think that um, almost any girl can relate can relate to that, um, you know, to that being told no, 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 that you know that dress is is is, is clean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or um, you know, girls don't do that. Girls don't don't you know don't lay on the floor. At least, well, I was born in 1968, and the you know the way I was raised is that, that there are many many things that girl shouldn't do or for instance the um the the two girls reading uh a an erotic novel some people have told me well i'm i think that um you know that really is kind of um you know it's kind of um dirty and i said why because it's, um, you are saying that children you, you are portraying two girls reading a, a, an erotic novel and i always say so so do you think that um, you know uh, children don't look for prohibited, forbidden things like that? I was told when I, when I was a child, don't you know, don't take that book, don't don't look at this or don't look at that. And as soon as you tell a child not to do something, the next thing they do is to do it. Indeed, <laughs> it's encouragement. Yes, yes, yes. It's like forbidden. Yes, uh-huh. I'm going for it. Yes, so I I love children that uh, do 
you know, I love portraying children that do things that they have been told not to. Mm-hmm. Why? Because, you know, they, you know, those children, those children or, you know, also exist. I mean, you know, children um, do beautiful things, but they also do. They are also naughty <laughs> because they are discovering the world. And this is why I love, um, I love portraying children in my, in my quilt because they have, you know, they are so curious. They, they want to discover the world. They have no filters. And uh, so this is why I love children. <laughs> so, so your quilts are authentic, but authentic childhoods. I think so. <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to talk about your signature quilts. They are pictorial whole, whole cloths. Would you tell us what those are and describe your style for us? Um, well, a whole cloth quilt, it's a type of quilt that uh, the quilter uh, use only a single solid piece of fabric for the top mm-hmm. rather than being pieced. When we talk, so basically a whole cloth is not patchwork because patchwork means uh, work patches. Mm-hmm. So there are no patches. It's one piece of fabric. So it's all about the quilting, either by machine or by hand. And uh, as you mentioned, I do pictorial quilts, and I do mainly things. I tend to, um, my intention, my purpose is to awaken sensations and feelings in the viewer. So um, let me tell you something. When I am in an exhibition, when when I exhibit, I love uh, being in front of my quilt and um, I listen to people talking about the quilt. And sometimes what I do is that uh, I I am at certain distance, so people don't know that I am the the, the quilter. Interesting. So mm-hmm. it is it is kind of um, interesting uh, listening to people's people thoughts. And I remember in Houston in twenty nineteen when I exhibited my quilt that is two girls reading an erotic novel. Uh, we have several. Um, Several uh, groups of uh, scholars, of uh, you, know, school, you know, children that I suppose at, um, were in the primary school, and I remember them talking about the quilt. As I said, they have no filters, so they were curious, and um, and I learned a lot about you know how they see, uh, you know, the, the, what they were seeing because they were curious about you know what are they reading, why, mm-hmm. and and so on. Um, so as I said, so pictorial, so basically I do a scene. I do pictorial because I want to represent a scene. I want to, I want you to think what, you know, what, what would you do? Like for instance, Harmony. Harmony is a polka dot um, girl. It's a girl that is draw that is writing and she's laying on the floor. And, uh, so when people look at that, some people think, oh, uh, it could be me writing a diary or it could be me doing uh, something for, for school. Um, so um, my intention, my purpose is for you to look at the quilt and think about your own childhood. Mm-hmm. So you evoke 
emotion, curiosity. That that must be fun. Yes. Kind of doing incognito uh, listening to people experience what you've created. How does that feel? What's that like? It's um, it's very very exciting. Really, mm-hmm. it's uh, well. Sometimes you might hear something you don't want to hear, and uh, but uh, most of the time, uh, people think, "Oh, I have a polka uh, you know, dress." Or, you know, I remember when I, when I was a child, you know, um, jumping in a swimming pool or even in a river. So people smile when they see the quilt, sure. and uh, it's. Um, I said it's very, very interesting to to hear people's people's comments. Now you, you were talking about your your whole cloth. You you've also done patchwork, and you've commented that patchwork at the beginning of the century in Spain was something that very few people practiced. So you took every chance to get into intensive courses whenever any teacher came to your town. Um, why do you think it wasn't very popular? Uh, well, let me tell you, the Spanish Patchwork Association was born. In 1998, and uh, was founded by quilters that uh, who have who had lived in the U.S. and France. So they were the ones that uh, really, really uh, brought patchwork to Spain. But um, to be honest with you, really, you know, if you investigate, if you, if you do some research, you will find out that uh, um, there have been there has been patchwork all over the world for centuries because people will always need to uh, to warm them, themselves. So how do they do that? By using scraps of fabric, scraps of um, you know, um, used clothes to make blankets. So um, in Spain, they have, you know, people have been doing that for centuries. But patchwork, the way we, we do it now is fairly recent because when our grandmothers did those quilts, they didn't think that they were doing something artistic. They thought that they were doing something to warm the family. Um, so we have a, a fairly young association because we are also a small country. and uh, But uh, since, uh, I would say, since the uh, since the beginning of the of the twenty first century is quite popular because um at the beginning of the of the century uh most people were doing cross stitch like me mm-hmm. and uh we moved to patchwork <laughs> because at some point you think i you know I cannot make any more cross stitch uh, you know but <laughs> uh, well, uh, you, you know the house is full of cross stitch so i have to do something else and then you discover patchwork and that's um many 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 people like me did their first quilt when when they got pregnant like like me in 1999 mm-hmm. or some people made the first quilt for the grandchild it's like oh i can do something for my future son mm-hmm. and uh that's kind of um something that you will treasure forever Sure. Your first quilt for your first child. Well, in 2005, you opened your machine quilting business. So tell us about this and how's it going? Um, well, I, I bought my first long arm quilting machine in, um, in 2005, as you said. And uh, although when I started, I was, I was alone, 
my boyfriend quickly joined me and uh, so he um, he started uh, working with me part time and in 2011 he um he decided to leave his his job and um and started uh, working with me full time so we uh, we quilt full time now the both of us um although <laughs> I um I don't I don't quilt full time anymore because I'm also I also teach both online and um and in person in the UN and uh, but uh, you know the business has have, has been very successful and uh, when I thought about um, starting a long term quilting business it's because um, I um, I heard about quilter in, in the north of Spain, who quilted for uh, for others, and she did it from home. And I thought, wow, I could do this from home. I have enough space to accommodate a long arm quilting machine, and that would give me the chance to take care of my son. Because at that time, mm-hmm. I was working outside home, and uh, it was uh, like. Um, you know, I, I had to take my son to uh, for appointments, to take him to school and things like that. And I was like, I cannot do, you know, both things. Um, and I cannot um, take care of my son properly. So that was me the perfect chance to, um, to keep working and also to take care of my, of my son. Now, you mentioned that you, you teach online. And in person, and you're coming to the U.S. pretty soon too. Would you tell us about your your teaching? I shouldn't say this, but uh, the pandemic opened a whole new world or market to me mm-hmm. because thanks to the lockdown, um, I started um, teaching online. Up until then, uh, I had I had taught in Spain in person. But um, uh, when the lockdown came, I started receiving offers to teach to guilds um, from the U.S. Guilds that uh, obviously uh, couldn't afford me, to, you know, to uh, to pay me uh, traveling expenses from Spain. But thanks to the pandemic, they they changed. They they used to uh, bring teachers from all over the U.S. Uh, for, uh, to teach, you know, to give them workshops. But with the pandemic, they changed to virtual. So, um, as I said, um, the pandemic opened um, a whole new world, and I started teaching online. Like um, last um, last month, I taught at the uh, virtual school fest from Mancusa, and I also taught to two guilds, um, one in in California and the other one. In um, New Jersey, mm-hmm. so that's um, quite. And as I, I'm also teaching at the end of the month, and in April I'm going to the New England Quilt Expo in Manchester, New Hampshire. I'm teaching four workshops and a lecture, and I'm also teaching at two guilds in, in New York State. So, um, really, really teaching is my passion. Mm-hmm. I, I can say that. I love when people, um, you know, when people start the day, they think, oh, no, 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 you know, I have never drawn or I have never 
free motion quilted. And, and at the end of the day, they tell me, I can do it. I can do it. And, you know, that, that means a lot to me. That means that uh, they are not afraid anymore. So, Christina, what inspires you? My cousins. <laughs> all 40 of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, not all of them, but uh, uh, my childhood. It seems like, you know, I'm always talking about, about my childhood. But uh, let me tell you something. I, I live and I have the, the business where I used to live with my parents and my aunt and my cousin. Um, but uh, in front of my home, uh, my other cousins live. So we were nine girls playing all day in the street because our street is pedestrian. Mm-hmm. So, um, so when I think about my childhood, I think about uh, my grandmother, my aunt, but I also think about those girls that uh, were that meant the world to me. I remember as uh, watching Little Women every uh, every Christmas, and uh, we we invented all kinds of um, dialogue and things like that. And I, in some way, I'm honoring them. I'm honoring those days mm-hmm. um, because it, um, it's really, really an inspiration to me. The way, you know how how we loved each other. How we cared for each other, and um, and uh, it's really, really what inspires me. And also my travels. Um, for instance, um, I went to New England last June, and I was uh, and I went to Vermont, New Hampshire, Connecticut, and Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So I saw a hummingbird for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. And I and I also saw a zebra in Vermont. <laughs> a zebra! Can you believe uh-huh. it? A zebra! And um, so, uh, traveling means that. Uh, well, especially if I, if I go to the US, I stay with friends in Vermont, Massachusetts, and uh, so I hear their stories. I see their quilts and their um, and their sewing rooms, and I and I'm like sponge. Mm-hmm. So. They are inspiration, really. The traveling, and let me tell you something. When I, um, when I, well, in twenty twenty two, I went to teach at the Pacific International Film Festival in Santa Clara, California. Um, so two weeks after that, I have to teach at Houston Film Festival. So instead of of going back to Spain and then going back to Houston, I stayed with with a friend in in San Francisco. And um, and what I did is that instead of flying from San Francisco to Houston, I took a train. Oh I went by train from San Francisco to Houston. Believe me, it is you know it is. I I can say that it is the trip of my life. I was able to talk to people. I was able to see the sun, the sunset in Arizona. I don't know where, but it was Arizona. So uh, I'm reflecting that on my quilts at the moment, on my pieced quilt, improvisational quilt, those colors uh, and, you know, those conversations. So traveling is, um, is so inspiring to me. 
you know, not only the places, but the people that I've met in my, in, in my, in my trip. So with, with all of this that you've done, what's next for you? What's your dream? Um, my realistic dream? <laughs> all right. Well, my, my realistic dream is to get published. I would, I, I would like to, um, to get published in, in a magazine. And, um, and if you ask me, and why haven't you published? Because there are only 24 hours in the mm-hmm. day. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and my realistic dream is to, to teach in Korea mm. and Japan. <laughs> and I say unrealistic because it's, um, I try. But uh, it is kind of difficult. It's, um, I don't know how to do it, but I, I will keep trying. <laughs> I, I believe it will happen. After all we've learned from you, I think that's a realistic dream. Why, why Korea and Japan? Why there? Um, I adore Japanese patchwork and Korean, Korean patchwork. And well, to me, Japan, you know, apart from the U.S., Japan is like, um, you know, if you can make it to Japan, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they are, they are so, so good, um, so proficient in anything they do, like patchwork, uh, that uh, if you, you know, if you can teach them something, you know, it's a lot, a lot. So I don't know if it's something to do with culture, with, I don't know, but, uh, I see, I see them a bit, how do I say, it is hard. It is hard to get into that market. Um, so <laughs> maybe, maybe in 20 years. Oh, I, I, I think it'll be sooner <laughs> than that. In, in all of our conversation, Christina, today, um, is there any question I didn't ask you that you wish I had? No, no. <laughs> well, you have shared so much wonderful knowledge and and so many of your beautiful stories with us if any of our listeners would like to reach out to you what's the best way for them to do that i will send you my um my instagram account name on facebook as, as well as my um my uh web page because if i have to and if i have to say my web page which is www chrisartbono.com people won't be able to to type it you know and we'll include that on on the show notes and that'll be on our website too yeah so um well if people ask you know if people look for christina artenegi bono on on google they will find my um you know my uh, my website but uh, they can also um see my work as i said in um, on facebook and instagram and um and also, if they are members of the Quill Show, they can they can watch my uh, my episode on, uh, on on the Quill Show. That sounds wonderful, Christina. This has been just so much fun today. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you very much, Meg. It has been a great pleasure and an honor. Well, there you have it. Another story about someone just like you, someone for whom sewing and quilting is so much more than a hobby. It's a way of life and a connection to something much bigger. If you know someone you think has an outstanding story, a story that should be shared on this podcast, please drop me a note to meg at so-and-so podcast.com or complete the form on our website. 
Be sure to subscribe to review and rate this podcast on your favorite platform and visit our website, soandsopodcast.com for information about today's and all of our guests. That's S-E-W-A-N-D-S-O podcast.com. And finally, I want to thank Bernina for making this program possible. I'm Meg Goodman, and I look forward to you joining us next time on So-and-So.